Welcome to the Saw Good Show, where it's all good. I am your host, DJ K. Wright. Never do you wrong, aka Keith Cliff Huxtable, aka K. Wright the P, aka Suge Wright, aka Keith Sweatshirt. I'm here with a special guest today. I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Oh shit, you got uh, Josh Pease, aka Ain't Shit Funny. Uh, A.K.A. Maurice Clico, A.K.A. Rentel That, <laughs> A.K.A. Uh, you know, just peas, man. Just me. I got Josh Peas in the building. I got Justin, not Joshua, in the building. Yeah, Justin Peas. Damn, I, I fucked up. <laughs> I got all the A.K.A.s. I forgot to get my real name. I'm, <laughs> I'm Justin Peas. That's me. How y'all doing out there? Yeah, so I got Justin Pease. For those of you who do not know, he's one half of the dynamic duel Peas and Carrots. Um, he's a a man of many trades. Yeah, nah, I like to call myself. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, it's funny. I've been dealing with this a lot lately with titles and things. I think the best title for me is Ain't Shit Funny. <laughs> That's just uh, everything. But no, nah, I think you can just call me a, a marketing uh a marketing genius. <laughs> I like that. A marketing genius. You know, yeah. uh, they say geniuses are crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy too. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Josh Pease in the building. He uh, came to bless the Saw Good show with uh, with his presence. Um, so we back for another episode. This is episode seven. So, you know, we want to give a shout out to our audio sponsor today. My bro T-Reg with the beat that you're hearing right now it came with that smooth shit is that clearing your ear or what yeah i thought so yes sir but um yeah man so i got a i got a few uh topics to, oh th- let me not forget that the saw good show is dedicated in the memory of my boy tyler honeycutt may my bro rest in peace you gone but not forgotten definitely not forgotten and then i definitely want to give a special dedication to nipsey hustle definitely want to dedicate this this episode to nipsey hustle and uh the game that i'm going to give y'all today in the money talks episode is uh, dedicated to nipsey hustle so we got a cool uh wrap-up segment today we got some cool articles that we're gonna um touch on got some some crazy people in, in in the world man y'all know i got some crazy people going doing some crazy stuff always so yeah, i'm gonna uh, see what my what uh josh think of that and then we got a money talk segment today we're gonna be talking about what's the pros and cons of managing uh, multiple checking accounts versus managing only one 
and then you know then we'll uh speak on it with josh pease and uh we'll get behind um some of the things in his career some of the um highlights and um just get behind the many trades that that this man is about so if i don't say so myself i'm gonna get into the first wrap-up segment today so man sues parents for destroying his huge pornography collection jesus <laughs> so he said his valuable i mean his stash was included valuable one-off prints but his dad insisted he did him a big favor by one-offs? throwing it out. Yeah. Yeah, one-offs? Oh, that's that's yeah. a little creepy. He yeah, he said he had some one-offs, like some one-of-ones. Like, I got, like, the masters. Like, he said he got the masters of that, of that, that print. That sounds wild. So he got some one-offs. He the said masters. <laughs> so a U.S. man is suing his parents after they destroyed his massive pornography collection, which he claims is worth $29,000. That's not that much. I'm, I believe that. That might be real. He might have had some masters. He might have had some old, uh, I don't even know, Jenna Jameson. So it shit. said his parents admitted to dumping the 12 boxes of films and magazines, which included titles such as Frisky Business and Big Bad Grannies. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, not a, uh, uh, I'm not that much of a, a pornography connoisseur, so uh, I'm not up on the Frisky Business and Big Bad Grannies brand. But um, it sounds like there's some uh, some pretty valuable uh, um, pieces of, of media here. That's just what I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> it it sounds like some pretty valuable pieces of media that you could see probably on like Pawn Stars or something like that. That would be uh, Rick could probably give you a low bid on. But Frisky Business and Big Bad Grannies. I wish I could look that up right now. I wonder now. what's the business for that. Like who, who's buying the uh, throwback porn? It's probably a big market for throwback porn. Probably like a like one-offs. Like you know, you just can't get one-offs. You know, but yeah, shout out to uh, my boy, my boy. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give y'all his name real quick if they if they give it. Yeah, they don't even give his name, but he in Indiana. Sounds like some Indiana shit to me. Um, but a woman chugged the entire bottle of cognac rather than give it to airport security. Wow, is she alive? <laughs> Did they let her on the flight? If she was black, they would have banned her from all airports. See, that's a, I, it's funny that my mind typically went to if she was black, but I'm just like, yo, if that happened. All right, you gotta, you gotta, you're not even gonna guess what, what kind of nationality she is. She ain't black. Nah, she not black. She what, Irish? <laughs> Try again, motherfucker. Uh, African? <laughs> Try again, motherfucker. Yeah, where's she from? <laughs> she from China, dog. Wow, turn up. A Chinese one, but she had a uh, Chinese one. She had a she had a bottle of Remy Martin XO Excellence. She fired the big bottle too. Yeah, it was valued at roughly two hundred dollars. Wow, wait, so they she, let her chug. She that? had it on her carry on, and they said they stopped her at, at at the security checkpoint when she was trying to bring the entire bottle. And instead of throwing it out, because TSA gave her the option to throw it out. But wait, you can't bring that as a carry-on when you get it from the duty-free? A two hundred dollar no, the duty-free is on the inside. Oh, she brought it from the outside. Yeah, duty-free is inside yeah. the check-in. The check-in. Damn, she was. So yeah, to... she brought the bottle in. Like a two hundred dollar bottle, I'm pretty sure it's like a fifth. Where was she coming from? Um, because it might have. She was, uh, she was, she was uh, coming from Beijing, and she was going to Wenzhou. Wow. 
She was just lit. Yeah, so she was going from China to China, but still, she was like, nigga, I got this $200 bottle of Remy. Like, what you talking about? <laughs> I ain't pouring this out. I can't believe I let her chug it. Yeah, yeah, she chugged it. Yeah, God bless her, man. God bless her liver. I man, hope her liver real. is okay. Yeah, that's a lot of um, a lot of cognac on a on a short um, short time span. Yeah, that's not cool at all. I'm yeah, surprised man. they let her do that. Prayers up for her liver. Yeah, but um, yeah. So this dad bought a scratch off lotto ticket on his lunch break and won ten million dollars. Slit. <laughs> that's, that's lit. Like it's funny. He probably yeah. bought that shit. And was like, I'm not a dad anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to buy it. He's like, like nigga, he, he was probably on one of them lunch breaks. Like, man, fuck this job. Man. I can't wait to fucking get outside and fucking smoke my cigarette. Nigga went to the fucking store, got him a fucking Lucy and a fucking and got rich fucking vitamin water and bought a fucking three dollar scratcher. It was lit. So, uh, James Bellick, a logist, a lo- this nigga's a logistics manager. Like, See? Paul's on the logistics. Like, I just had this conversation with Josh right before we started about um, him using this the word logistics in a conversation back, like, in 2010, and it fucking blew my mind. <laughs> and now I use this logistics word, like, every day in my fucking role in life so i can't fucking get rid of this logistics word but uh shout out to james so james bellick he's a um logistics manager who lives in lancaster south carolina and he works about an hour drive away from charlotte he decided to stop at a convenience store to buy a scratch off lotto ticket during his lunch break earlier this month Belly scratch off the third. Oh, he bought a $30 scratcher. He was fucking he was, feeling it. He was he was gambling, gambling. So he bought a $30 Supreme Riches ticket while still in Charlotte area. And he quickly realized he won. He had just won $10 million. Um, he said, you never expected uh, Belly told state lottery officials. You think maybe you'll win something, but not $10 million It's unbelievable. When Belly got home after winning the lottery, he tried to tell his wife and two young sons about his big day, and he was speechless. No, it said, but he was speechless. He said, when he got home, he was so shocked, all he could do was hold the ticket up to his face. (laughs) Our two boys uh, were too young to really understand. He's like, our oldest boy is five. He thinks we won just $20. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fucking right. He gonna figure out. You know, it's funny though. I feel like there's too much info about this guy in this article. Like, I can find him if I feel like. Yeah, I'm like, damn, how I got the story on like what he told his wife when he got. I ain't never. I just went the the first profile. You were like telling me how far he lived from Charlotte. I'm like, damn, I was in Charlotte. Yeah, I was like, damn, like how pull up. (laughs) Yeah, they said like he's works about an hour's drive away from Charlotte. It's just crazy. All right, but yeah, alone. It's good, bro. <laughs> yeah, shout out to James. But uh, last one on the uh, wrap-up list today. Long Island man becomes 11th to die on Dominican Republic vacation. Man, this is this is now this is funny. This is before you go into the article. This is near and dear to me because my, my girlfriend's from the Dominican Republic. So, <laughs> so go go ahead. What's, what's the details? What should I know? 
Man, so a pizzeria owner from Long Island has apparently become the 11th American tourist to die in nearly a year after or during a visit to Dominican Republic. So the U.S. Department of State confirmed a 56-year-old Victorio Caruso of Glencoe died in the Caribbean country on June 17th. The death, the cause of death has yet to be confirmed. Nigga, that was like last week. Yeah. Nigga, that was like seven days ago. This shit crazy. He just died. You know what it is, though? Like, I just was in Cuba recently, and it's like, you got to really be careful. Cuba is a place where they import, like, all the food and everything pretty much in there. Like, not most, none of the food is really, like, fresh grown uh-huh. out there. So, you got to be really careful, like, what you eat and, like, where it's coming from. And, like, if it's an open bottle. Like, they were telling me out there, like, do not drink any water that does not come from a bottle. Oh, me. When and I, I went never, to DR, that's what it's, it was signs in the resort that said, do not drink the water. Yeah, and it's like, man, like, anything that could be eaten or drinking could be getting infected. It could be something as simple as honey they put in their tea or sugar they put in their coffee. So, like, I don't know. It's just always hard traveling to, like, those, like, Caribbean islands and places that aren't just, like... As technology technology advanced in mm-hmm. the U.S. or whatever, so no, like more sense. like more developing, the more de- exactly more developed. It's funny. I was in Cuba. That shit was a, uh, shit was it was crazy, bro. Like just how like how blocked off it is and underdeveloped it is, but just like how beautiful everyone is and like how how much of a good time everyone's having. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is Yeah, crazy. like, it's just, like, people outside, like, playing soccer with no socks on. Yeah, like, but, like, loving it. Yeah, like, like fucking not even feet thinking about fucking fucked up. Yeah, everything. not even thinking about this shit, yeah, though. Like, not, the feet's not fucked up. It's like when people be, like, got bad hair. It's like, do I? What's bad hair? Like, yeah. is my feet fucked up? Nah, man, I'm out here just being a human, bro. Like, yeah. humans wasn't wearing shoes back in the day. That's the, what we was doing. Man. Yeah, got to think about it like that. The niggas came up with the sandal invention and changed yeah. the game. The first dude with the sandals, imagine you, the first dude with some sandals. He was probably getting ridiculed. Like, hey. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> <laughs> like this nigga Josh got fucking fucking shit on the bottom of his feet. What is He's that? walking on shit. <laughs> Look at this nigga. Man. All right, man. So that wraps up the wrap up today, man. Um, I wanted to make it short and sweet today because um, it ended off with that DR shit because that shit crazy, man. I've been like really like following up with that shit because I went to DR last year. Okay. Uh, in in July, and that shit said, "Do not drink the water." And like my whole time, like my whole my whole shit, like uh, when I was traveling, was like, man. I'm like on my P's and Q's like the whole time. Yeah. Like I'm like thinking like somebody gonna try to rob me. I'm thinking wow. that somebody gonna try to kidnap me or something. Like hey, cause I'm like they know I'm like they know that I'm not from here. Yeah. I'm like they fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like being a black man. Yeah. And like even if when I fucking ride around like on a little tour or something like that, and we went to the little mall and shit, and it was just like you could look around and just see people and I'm without even talking, you just like I know they know without yeah. me even talking. They yeah. know I'm I'm not from here, so yeah, that's um yeah. I'm gonna uh, say a prayer for uh for all the people out in DR, man. So y'all get home safely, man, and uh 
do y'all think to... yeah, do y'all think out there live y'all life though yeah. man don't be scared man don't be scared she's don't looking for served. a cheap vacation get man. mine you gonna get your i'm not mad at dr right now man i might go out there yeah <laughs> a couple weeks the, man the flight's probably od cheap right now you time to probably, go. they probably giving them flights away right now i might have to inquire so yeah but yeah that uh wraps it up today um Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. This is the money talk segment of the podcast. Um, Like I told y'all earlier, um, the topic today is managing uh, multiple checking accounts versus one checking account. Um, So that means having, you know, two or three, which is multiple, two or three. Well, I guess two is a couple three is three is multiple yeah so i guess having three i think two is multiple but yeah i guess not. you could say yeah i guess if you if you managing two checking accounts i guess you could just say like yeah i'm managing multiple checking accounts yeah that might make you seem a little more important yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, actually it does it might make you seem like you got a little more money yeah. but yeah so sure. so yeah so this is like managing multiple checking accounts versus one yeah um so I'm going to go over some of the pros uh, of that. Uh, personally, uh, I have multiple checking accounts because I don't like having all my eggs in one basket because um, I learned that a long time ago. Um, and then I learned that through working in the bank yeah. that, you know, sometimes shit happens. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes not necessarily saying like fraud is going to happen, but I mean, it's going to fr- happen to everybody. Fraud is going to happen to you at one point. But I'm saying, let's say some fraud shit happened to your account and you got one checking account that your check going into that you got all your shit, your debit card connected to. You got all your money in there because you spending out of that one. Yeah. Say some fraud shit happened and they fucking take the fucking $1,500 that you had in your checking account, like the fucking fraudsters and fucking... Um, I don't want to fucking downplay any any country right now or, or t- throw salt, but y'all know what countries y'all be doing that shit in. But <laughs> so them countries, y'all be, yeah. you know, so then when them niggas get get a hold to your fifteen hundred dollars and Wells Fargo or Bank of America or whatever financial institution you you know you choose to bank with, say, oh, it's gonna take seven to ten business days for us to investigate because them niggas want to find out if fucking you fucking had something to do with that shit too like (laughs) before they just hand you over fucking fifteen hundred dollars so they gonna do their investigation so while they doing their investigation now you ain't got your fifteen hundred dollars and now your rent due and shit you know late fees come on the rent sometime or whatever the case sometimes you got to build as due that you can't even be laid on um so that's one of the reasons why i don't have you know one checking account and then also it's like a budgeting thing so um i go into that in my in my pros right here (laughs) so uh the number one pro to having multiple checking accounts is easier to create a budget when you got like multiple accounts you could create i have like one checking account that's for like my checks that i only put money into that account when i write a check so then when i write a check and i send that to my landlord in the mail if that should get lost and they get that account number or whatever they can do the frosters in whatever country 
yeah. you know, they can do whatever the fuck they want to do with that account because I only put money in that account when I want to write a check and then I'll just get another one that I'll do that for. So yeah. then I'll hold that money to, for the rent in a different account. So then that'd be like my, you know, like my account that I, like my check goes into. That'd be like my direct deposit account. Yeah. So that account, I'll like maybe like house some of the extra money for my check that I might about to do something with but i don't have a debit card connected to that, that one. one okay so then that way like no fraud or nothing could really like happen to that one because yeah. i don't i'm not using a debit use, card exactly. i'm not writing no checks out of it so no fraud is going to happen all i'm doing is just transferring money out i'm just distributing money to different shit from that account yeah and then i and then i have like an account that's like gas money so like that account has a debit card and the gas money is in that one so i'll use you know, but yeah. but I use my credit card because I like getting the rewards and I like getting the credit. I explained that in I think I explained that in the episode with Mike Free. So if y'all listening, y'all want to go back and, and read up on some of these uh, lessons. I talk about that in the episode with Mike Free about how I utilize my credit card with all my expenses so I could get I could get credit at the same time and earn the rewards and cash back and all that stuff <laughs> while spending money that I already have. So like, just to touch back on it. Yeah. So like, if you have um, money in your checking account, I say I have fifty dollars, and I'm gonna go to the to to the gas station to fill my tank up. Yeah. I'm gonna use my credit card because that shows that I borrowed fifty dollars from the bank. I'm I have fifty dollars in my checking account yeah. to with my debit card, but I use my debit card. They just gonna take the money out of my checking account and nothing. That's that's just that. Yeah. But with that the credit card you charge the credit card it's like you borrow fifty dollars from the bank you have the fifty dollars in your checking account you just transfer the fifty dollars over and then you square it away with the bank but it, you just borrowed and paid back fifty dollars and earn points on it and earn and earn rewards points on it by spending the same fifty dollars yeah, by nah. not spending money that i didn't have but i money just was gonna be yeah already, it's like man. i want to get all the credit I want to get all my chips with the dip. You know what I'm saying? I want <laughs> nah, to get a, everything I'm, out of my purchase. Yeah, no, nah, that's something I kind of like, I, I kind of teach like, well, not even teach, but just like, I guess you just teaching my nephews and like my girlfriend even, I tell her. It's funny, my reason is the rewards points. And then also just when you use credit at like gas stations, in case there's like any type of fraud situation at the gas station, it's credit. So it's not like directly out of your account. Mm -hmm. So that's something I always think about with gas stations. I always use credit there just cause like, I'm like, all right, like it's credit. It's not like it's, it, we can figure this out faster if you just take it share on my debit account or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck it is. Yeah, but sometimes like them credit, that's why I, I got do like all that kind of shit, uh, all kind of like risque purchases with my credit card because like, it's like not real money that you yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. so it's like i'll go to the gas station and use my credit card on the outside shit i'll go online uh to like you know any kind of risque you know like my little gambling site or whatever yeah. whatever and i'll fucking use that credit card because shit if they fucking get a hold of that credit card and they charge it up then it's like it's that's not yeah, yeah. They, they could charge up fucking they could take that fifteen hundred dollars because it's like that's not the fifteen hundred dollars that i need to live live yeah. like you know you're not taking my my tangible money yeah you know so you know, I talked about that a couple episodes ago, but yeah, like you definitely want to, you know, use your credit. And I use 
my credit but then i use my multiple checking accounts to have like a diff like to a budget okay to you know have my gas account so i'll i'll use my credit card and i'll transfer that money out of the gas account so it's like i have like an automatic transfer that kind of is set up the day that my direct deposit comes in so it uh, when i wake up in the morning on payday my money is gas. already transferred yep. into the gas account it's already transferred into the the account that holds my rent like it's already transferred into the account oh, that damn. for my utilities so it's like i already kind of no. know what you know it's not like i wake up in the morning and my check is all in my account and now i gotta distribute the money yeah. like and so, you know i already know like i i budget out like maybe 120 dollars every two weeks for gas like you know i'll have like a budget for like food yep. you know you know because i have like I probably have like four or five checking accounts like, <laughs> across like three banks. Yeah. So it's like I got Chase, Wells Fargo, and I got Westcom. So okay. You know, so I got a, a few different uh, banks that I bank with because like I, I it just helps me, you know, yeah. spread out the money and it helps me create a budget. Yeah. No, that's a, it's funny. That's opening my eyes to a good way to budget money. I have two different banks. One's more for savings, and then one's more for just checking and doing whatever I do with it. Mm -hmm. But um, nah, just to having different checking accounts for like different things, like gas and and rent and all those bigger bills, it's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because it's like also another uh, pro to it is like you can separate your spending from your bills. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can know like like I said, like I have like the money that I separate for. That I could spend or go out and you know I could gamble or you know whatever yeah. like I have like a budget amount that you know that where I'm like I'm not dipping into my savings or yeah. like you know once that once that money is out then it's like it's like you know it's top out. ramen until next payday <laughs> shit, you know but it's like it's you know I, I manage it enough to like where I'm not like you know that kind of shit where it's like I get paid and I can have a good meal on payday but then when it's the week leading up to the next check like i fucking I making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch like it's not it's not like that because like i budgeted out to you know and then it's like you know i'm a pretty frugal spender like i would you know like i'm i'm pretty cheap when it comes to stuff like you know like i'm like you know um it's just like how i am like i don't like to pay for things that no nah, i'm right there with you I, my girlfriend called me cheap all damn day but i think um it's funny it's just the difference between being cheap and just being like a smart spender yeah like i think you know like why would you pay more for something you get for less yeah and that's one thing people like don't understand and that's one thing people always kind of like not mock me for or just like wonder like oh how'd you get this how'd you get that i'm just like bro i just i wait it out like i i, I love a good sale like, mm -hmm. that's yeah that's the best part of shopping to me is finding some fly shit to sell so yeah because it's like um like i want to get those black uh the black yeezys yeah. the ones like the v2s but yeah. it's like i know the price gonna go down so because it's like i know the price is up right now because they just came out like yeah. two weeks ago so it's like i know the price will go down so i'm just gonna get them when the price go down and that's gonna be that but um but yeah that that's one of the biggest ways that that helped me out is just like having a, to be able to separate the bills from the spending um it also reduced uh my fraud risk okay. so you know by having my money spread out is if you attack one of my accounts then it's like i got other accounts, other yeah. accounts to work with and you know you're not like shutting me down where it's like you have one and you 
pretty much somebody attack your account or whatever the case may be and you fucking shut down yeah, you know, you're out of commission i didn't seen it happen at the bank like i didn't seen people's accounts get drained for thousands of dollars by some fraudsters and uh and they have to wait it out yeah. to get their money and then they gotta pay rent they gotta get groceries they gotta you know whatever car note do yeah. you know light bill do you know all yeah. kind of stuff do and um they gotta wait it out and i'm you know that's not gonna be me so yeah man if you uh if you using a debit card with the account that you got your check going into you need to fucking change that up right now that's a fucking a fucking gym i'm giving y'all right now that's a good one that's do not one. use a debit card on the account that you got your check going into because yeah some fraud happened on your debit card you could get another debit card but you're like yeah what if they take od money that you fucking just got paid and now you gotta wait for your fucking check to get returned by the fucking fraud department at your bank yeah so yeah if you just got the the check going into one account and you got the debit card connected to another account you go out you want to spend a hundred dollars you just transfer a hundred dollars to that checking account and you fucking only gonna spend a hundred dollars because that's all you got so yeah and then on top of that if you have different banks different checking accounts at different banks you get more convenience by having different atms and different branches and shit because like yeah like i got chase and wells fargo so sometimes like you'll go around and you'll see a chase or sometimes you might only see a wells fargo yeah. and you might have the money in chase so then you fucking zell it to yourself at fucking <laughs> wells fargo and then just take out the money at wells fargo because yeah. zell is free so you know that's another gym like you know okay. you got the say you got five hundred dollars in your wells fargo account but you only see chase and it's only chase and wells fargo five miles away sell some money from wells fargo to your chase account because you got multiple checking accounts because you're smart and you're fucking financially hey, fit i'm gonna keep it real i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm catching some gems right now you know i might have to saying? get this implemented then you got more convenience to your banking experience you know what i'm saying you're not inconvenienced because you got an atm that you're not paying fees at, at fucking yeah that in so many different places bro if i could fucking add up all the fees i paid over the years i'll be already a millionaire man <laughs> i paid up fucking like it's funny i paid them fees anywhere i was, i went to a janky store the other day i was like god I did a little prayer right before i used that <laughs> shit. Like, please don't, don't fraud my account real quick man and then it's like man you gotta pay the machine and then the bank charge you a fee yeah. on top of the machine fee you paying like five dollars to get out forty dollars yeah shit crazy yeah so yeah like you know and then if you got the credit union i'm gonna give you another gym if you got a credit union it's they're part of the co-op system so you could just get uh, um you go to any like 7-eleven and get money out for free oh wow at the 7-eleven atm it's it's, it's free huh. so yeah that's another gym okay but i'm gonna go into some cons of having multiple checking accounts break it down for me Alright, so some of the cons of having multiple checking accounts is it's, it can be a lot to manage and to keep track of if you're not financially savvy. So if you, you know, somebody that's not financially savvy or up on your banking shit, you got to kind of take like baby steps with it because it can be a lot to manage by you know, knowing uh, certain criteria for certain accounts to keep 
what you got to do to keep it free yeah. um, and things like that because all the banks are going to have some kind of requirement to keep those accounts free. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you got to do whatever. It's like a certain amount is. of direct deposit. Yeah, certain direct deposit shit. or a certain amount of transactions or yeah. a certain amount of transfers or whatever the case. So you do got to be up on that. So that can be a lot to manage uh, if you're not, you know, financially savvy. You dropped the tip, though. I like the tip of uh, having the, the, the automatically, like, take from your account the day like the direct deposits into oh yeah automatic transfer yeah automatic transfer yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like i have that set up every other friday on the same day i get paid and okay it, uh the way it happens is the because credits go into the account before debits so things that are scheduled to go into your account will go into your account before things that are scheduled to go out of your account that day uh-huh. so the money will go in but then those debits that are scheduled the same day they will wait until that money goes in for that money to go out so the check will go in then it'll send an automatic uh transfer to my gas account automatic transfer to my utilities account automatic transfer to my uh check uh for my rent yeah uh so when i wake up in the morning i'll have like my spending money that's left over from you know from all those transfers and then it also will transfer money into the savings too so it's like i've been already saved my money too so it's like it's not like something where oh okay like i'm not gonna save this week because it's like when i wake up on payday it's already in the savings yeah, account it's there. yeah you know that's real you know it's something like where i can't just be like cheat myself like okay i'm not gonna save this week but next week because when i wake up in the morning on payday it's gonna already happen so <laughs> So, yeah, so then number two on the con list is uh, manage. Oh, yeah, I just touched on that managing the account requirements. So, like, yeah, it can be a lot to manage uh, by having to know what the requirements are of the account. Um, and then another con is transfer limits. So, if you're managing like multiple like uh, savings accounts, there are certain transfer limits that the federal government has um, called Regulation D on uh savings accounts where it limits you to six transfers per month and then then you'll start after that six transfer online then you'll see a 15 dollar fee fee, uh on top of the transfer and then if you transfer if you keep doing it then they'll convert your account to a checking account wow that's great so like i think they'll give you like so like for example like say if you try to transfer on, but it's only online oh, okay. you could go inside the bank and withdraw from uh, your savings as much as you want but if you go online and just transferring money out of your savings like if you do it like eight or nine times like your account is going to get converted to a checking account because it's like you're using it as a checking account yeah. not a savings account wow so yeah so um and then the last one um it can complicate auto payments if coming from checking account so like if you got a lot of auto payments coming from one account which i don't recommend unless it's from the credit card because i got all my auto payments coming from the credit card because no matter what day no matter what day of the month they take it out it's gonna be there (laughs) so like you know you don't have to worry about that but if you are you know somebody that has all the auto credits coming out of the um auto auto debits coming out of the um checking account then it can complicate things um so yeah man all in all man i just want to um just let y'all know man y'all just i recommend that y'all do not keep all your eggs in one basket and because the more you spread out and diversify your funds the more the more safe you are and the less risky you are um and the less vulnerable you are to um to some crazy shit happen to your money um so yeah you heard it from me first man and then um 
that wraps up the money talk segment so i hope y'all got something out of that and um yeah y'all keep uh tuned in for the next lesson um we're gonna keep that game going um because um it's crazy because when i started this show i i envisioned like nipsey as one of the guests that i was going to eventually like have on yeah. this show because it was like um because i definitely when i got him on the show i wanted to tell him like the like his whole movement was like some of the inspiration for doing this show okay you know just pretty much um using media and um and and you know pretty much like my charisma for something that can benefit others like rather than me just being able to uh rap or or like sell sell something something or you know be a funny person or something like that i i can provide some substance um and especially because like i know that knowledge is power and i i pride myself on on gaining the knowledge that to 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 gain that advantage in life yeah over over other people like i try to um it's uh the competitive competitive advantage i try to gain the competitive advantage over over everybody right. else yeah um definitely want to give a shout out to nipsey because uh nipsey set the blueprint for uh the saw good show and uh definitely uh definitely miss him and uh definitely uh sad that we couldn't get him on the show but yeah on a brighter note man we got josh pease in the building ain't shit funny yeah i mean i'm not nipsey but you know i can <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it's funny I, I i like that you brought that up just because like Nipsey was one of the ones who really preached financial literacy and like financial freedom and like really going out here and knowing, uh, knowing about your money and knowing about where you're spending your money and knowing, you know, who you're spending your money with. Like, I always appreciate that about him. Like, he was always one of them dudes like, you know, shop with your people. And that's one thing that I kind of always like took from him and tried to like, you know, implement around my way and around like people I deal with. So yeah, I'm glad you kind of brought him up, and I'm I'm glad he you know was able to inspire so many. Man, he inspires so many people, man, because it's just like no no other rapper was really like you know showing you like the the substance that he was showing us. Like it was he was just showing us like man like I it wasn't like one of those situations where I'm I didn't made it big like I did I didn't came up from nowhere I made it big like whatever that narrative yeah. it was just like man like y'all saw you see me grinding on my way and then I'm gonna show you like every step of the way how I'm doing it and how you can do it too yeah you know it's not just like you know I got this I got this he is showing everybody that everybody can do exactly what he did yeah no there's real action behind his words like I think a lot of rappers talk a good game and a lot of rappers say the right things but like he really put it into action and showed it in, in real life and like it's funny I think the one thing that always like stood out to me I always bring this up is that like Nipsey had a Malcolm X chain mm-hmm. like of all the things yeah. to get a chain now, this is a dude who's from 6-0 game banger from Los Angeles Crip like you could have got a chain of all the things in the world but you had Malcolm X exactly. and that just spoke volumes to like who he was and what he was trying to portray in the world mm-hmm. man all right so yeah segue off of that man so when you were younger like when you were little josh pease man <laughs> just before you easy you were even josh pease before yeah. you were just little josh man what did you want to be when you grew up uh damn that's a great question um i always wanted to work in in media some way like it's funny like I, early on i was like yo i wanted to be a journalist like i think i think i was just 
you know what? I take that back. It wasn't really media. It was always hip hop. It was like I always wanted to work in music. Since I was younger, I always had a thing for music. Like I never wanted to be a rapper, but like when I was younger, like I remember I wanted turntables for Christmas. I wanted to be a DJ. Like I remember I got the turntables and just got like I was like, damn, it's just a little harder than I thought <laughs> yeah. it was. Like this is some real turntable. Yeah. It's a turntable, but, turntable. Yeah, but it's like I, I loved the culture of music. Like I remember every month buying magazines and then like that's what kind of got me into the journalism things. I'm like, all right, like I remember Elliot Wilson, like that was the first journalist to me that I was like, oh, you got like some swag to you. Like you talking shit, but you writing about hip hop and the culture. And like mm-hmm. that shit just stood out to me. And I just liked the way like he just wrote and like the shit that he was covering at the time. Like it was just, it was, it was hip hop. It was the hip hop that I loved. Like it wasn't like the golden era 90s mm-hmm. shit. It was like the 2000s and, and beyond that, which was like the formative years for my hip hop learnings and things. Mm-hmm. So. I, I just knew, always knew it was gonna be hip hop. Like I just always knew some aspect of it I would work in. I knew it wouldn't be like as a rapper, but it would be uh-huh. some type of behind the scenes essential part to it. Like a DJ is essential to a live show. Mm-hmm. And then from a DJ thought process, I went to like, like I remember I seeing Dame Dash and shit, and seeing like Suge Knight and seeing all this. Shit. I'm like, all right, like I could, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, you could like, do the behind the scenes. Yeah, you still like, do I it wanna, and be and not be the yeah the, the front man. Yeah, because and that's just one thing about me. Like I always was a, a brains over brawn type of guy. Like I always thought about the business aspects of things. Like I, I sold things in school and like, like I remember. <laughs> I remember I might have been like fourth grade or something. I sold like pins. Like I was selling pins on the schoolyard. So it was just like little. I was always like kind of like, like the like the little retractable pins, like yeah, with the button. Yeah, I would, press the button yeah, and come out. I would do some funny <laughs> shit. I would like I would buy a pack of them and then I would take the different inks and make them in different colors. So it would be like a pink one with like a, a yellow oh, tube. Yeah. And like I don't know. I, that was my hustle. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had a black pen, but it got the red. It looked like yeah, it's the red pen. Exactly. That was oh, like yeah, my. That yeah. was my. It's whole... changing the game for sure, for sure. Because in fourth grade, that's game changing. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, and then you know another thing was like was big was like um the lead pen. Not was it what was the the, the lead, lead pencil mechanical pencil. Yeah. Yeah. So those was big. Yeah, lead. Yeah, lead pencil. But then the they, lead pencil game was uh that shit was some crazy shit. Yeah, because some was people a, didn't it was have a that. It was a it was a crazy like black market for like bro some people didn't get those school. like it's, oh god like i was like damn when i first seen them, i was like where you get those from show. i ain't yeah. never seen that before it was people like sl- it was for show people slinging the fucking lead yeah. pencil it was a black market for the lead pencils and the lead <laughs> like, oh you got some 0.7 bro lead. there you go like, i got some 0.5 but um See? but yeah it's funny that you that you uh talk about the uh hip-hop journalism because um one of the first things that i've seen uh I seen about you on the internet was the like the Madberry Club uh, oh, like like magazine collection that you had. It's so crazy when you were talking about earlier the dude whose porn collection I thrown out. I was thinking about my mom. My mom threw out my magazine collection. What? God, the ma- the I, one I, that I, they they, yeah. they featured in the all, all I have is that video now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. no, honestly it was my fault. Like it just you know like growing up having like it was it, all that shit was like i collected all that stuff but like i'm not i don't have a home this is my mom's home but i'm collecting all this yeah, shit yeah it it's there. all it's taking up space yeah and shit. then yeah. i ended up moving out and i'll just left it there oh, yeah. collecting up space so she just like ended up throwing it out not even thinking about it man that's how that's what happened to me like i moved out and my grandma man threw away like so much of my shit like without even they got a man they did like so much like remodeling on the yeah. house and and threw out shit and didn't even ask no questions. It was just like, it was just left behind. And it was like, this is like probably like three days after I'm, I'm like moved into like the new place. Sheesh. It's like, shit. 
but um but yeah that's that's tragic that's a tragic story because yeah. that was the first time that i seen you featured on the thing on, on on online and um i'm like damn that's uh that's the dude that was on fucking because i remember um on my space i was on my i was at i was at like one of my homegirl's houses and she fucking had customized greatly one on her myspace page and right. i'm like and i'm like it was it, it was my mind my mind was blown because i knew casey rapped and like but i'd never heard him like on fucking a song before yeah so i'm like fuck this nigga got fucking music like on fucking myspace you could put <laughs> on your myspace page yeah. and and this nigga had fucking cover art and shit too. I was like, I was like, my mind was blown. So then I fucking immediately went home and tried. I had never downloaded no fucking. This was like, man. Yeah, this was the beginning. <laughs> this was like, man, 2006. Like I had dial-up internet, so I was like, I was just like, n- n- just a novice to the fucking whole internet shit, and you know, I didn't have no friends that record that actually like. Were, had the means to record a song yeah. and sound and it's sound quality, you know. Um, but it blew my mind and I went home and I listened to that shit and then I listened to y'all fucking song, they oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I knew you from that. And then, um, but I didn't know the extent of like the relationships because um, later on, then that's when I found out that uh, that you guys were managing Casey. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, that's fucking. And it was like because I knew that he got his name from being associated with peas and carrots. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, because I knew he was custom before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then he got the peas and carrots. I mean, he got the uh, he got down with y'all when like during them like priceless days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nah, it was funny. He was just like Casey was just always like the dude that was like running kind of behind us and it was funny because he was always like the younger cat that was with the older dudes like yeah because y'all was always the only y'all, one y'all a year older than me yeah and like, casey is two years younger than me exactly Corey he, is a year younger than me yeah like i didn't meet Corey to way further like not way further down but like i just always remember casey was just like always the one that was around us mm-hmm. and um he just was like making music he was un- rapping under the name custom I think he might have been messing around with Tyler around that time too. Yeah, I I yeah. remember. And then another thing about Tyler was I thought he was a fucking grown ass fucking man <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. When I'm listening to when I'm listening to fucking because of my greatly volume okay. one, I'm thinking yeah. like, damn, who is this fucking old nigga that fucking Casey's fucking with? Like he even found some old nigga to kind of take him under his wing, I That's guess. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, this old nigga is cool though. Like he was fucking he had. The, um, he used to be like ace and shit. Like it's funny, yeah. Tyler whole thing early on. Like niggas didn't know what was going on. Like people used to think he was a twin. They used to think it was like Ace and Tyler. I remember oh, yeah. people used to think, tell me that all the time. So like, it was funny. It was just a funny time. Like it was the beginning of everything. So it was like you were creating your own world, and me and Amar are kind of recreating this world with peas and carrots. And we were just kids in high school. It just was like we were in the street. we were early on. Like we were like some of the first ones. Like from Fairfax was just supreme and some offices we were over there just hanging out and we just got enthralled with that world and just like from there we learned about like the the bay area mm-hmm. street we're seeing with huff and like with mega and all them were doing up there and from the bay we learned about the east coast scene and it was like alien and like that crew in new york were like steve-o and like all these guys who went on like, curtains how like, was that like did they when you guys start pretty much uh 
um, looking up to these these streetwear brands, like, did they like embrace you guys? Like, yeah, as, no, like I, little homies, or like, did they like were they just like it was it was it funny. was just kind of like was it kind of like an outside looking in type thing? And then you got to a point where you like kind of like in this like small like inner circle, this small like streetwear streetwear inner circle. Yeah, no, it definitely was like that because like you gotta understand, me and Anwar are two kids coming from South LA, like hanging out on Fairfax in a Jewish neighborhood with a bunch of skateboarders, and we don't skate. So it's like yeah. we don't got a talent that they can really like profit off of. We just some cool niggas just hanging out over there soaking up the scene. Mm-hmm. And not to say we were doing it in a bad way, but like, you know, the skaters were our homies. Those was niggas we was just chilling with, smoking with, sharing music, doing whatever with. But like I always felt like the streetwear scene didn't really embrace us until I wouldn't even say didn't really embrace us, but it was like until like they always just looked at us like kids. Like we could be knuckleheads. We we're doing dumb shit, you know. I don't know, breaking shit. Not even breaking shit, but just being kids. Mm-hmm. And I think the Rogue Sass guys were the first guys to really embrace us and bring us into their scene and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And our work there, we just hit, we hung out there. Like, that was just our spot. We used to take the bus to Venice and just hang out there all day mm-hmm. and come back home. And then in between that, it would be like going to Fairfax and hanging out there. But like Venice and uh, I would say 3rd Street where uh, Kingsbury was. I was up there. That 3rd Street. But yeah, Third Street was like really our like home base until we got like the office over on Fairfax when we finally like kind of bossed up in a sense. Mm-hmm. But early on, yeah, I would say like the, the the streetwear gatekeepers were just looking at us as kids. They didn't really see the ambition that we had in our minds, and they were just like, "Oh, what the fuck are these kids just doing here? Oh, let's give them some clothes. Okay, let's cool. Let's get them for some photo shoots. Oh, that's cool." But we kind of had this bigger picture, like, yo, we want to be like you guys, or like, we want to have our own of what you guys are doing, and we're really from the streets, so like, yeah. it made more sense. So yeah. it was cool. No, it was it was a trade off, but it was funny. Like, it was definitely like a a, a a a a learning curve of like them having to learn us and us having to learn them and accept us. Man, that's it's just uh, crazy because I just um, just saw it all like from the beginning. It was like I was just really like amazed because at that time. You know, I was just, like, still trying to figure it out. Like, you know, I was playing sports and stuff like that and just trying to figure out, like, what, like, my, like, my real, like, interests were. And, like, you know, all my friends, like, we were all, like, athletes, so we all played sports. So, like, that's all what my friends were into. But, you know, my friends, like, weren't weren't really, like, into, like, the fashion scene or, like, things like that. Um, But... One thing that stuck out to me was like y'all had that arrogantveggies.blogspot.com yeah. and yeah. then like that because that's where I had to go to download the, the, oh, yeah, the project. Shit. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like that shit blew my mind too because I'm like, damn, these niggas fucking got a website and all kind of <laughs> shit. Like, cause I'm like, this was like when we had MySpace. I'm like, they got a fucking website that's not fucking my. It's not even MySpace. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is like some other shit. I was like, my mind was blown. Yeah. And nah. I think that was just um. Uh, I mean, sorry to cut you off. But no, that was just ahead. that was just us. Just like we were, we wanted to start a clothing line, but we didn't have money to make clothes. So it was like, all right, let's get a website. Like that's relatively man. I could have swore, like at that time, like I, I thought that y'all was already like in the process of like making clothes. We might have been making like shirts here and there because that was I, always the ultimate goal. But we never had shit rolling. So like, yeah, it was like roll. nowhere I could go buy some shit or yeah. something like that. Well, I didn't fucking have no fucking debit card or nothing at that time. But <laughs> there wasn't this was no like shop ninth, to it. ninth grade. Yeah, so yeah, I was like, damn, these things got a fucking blog spot. Like it, it's it's really fucking going. Like yeah. arrogant veggies. Like you know so. How did the how did that transition into all right, I'm gonna start we're gonna start managing Casey Veggies. 
as the as an artist and we're managers yeah that it's funny that kind of i wouldn't say it was informal but it was almost like all right casey saw we had the blog spot that shit was mm-hmm. going and really that was just us just documenting like shit we were into and in our daily lives so it was just us taking the 212 up to fairfax mm-hmm. or up to fucking marrows walking to bear or walking to fairfax taking photos on our phones and we had like a little camera at the time mm-hmm. just doing kids shit us and like a couple of girl homegirls just hanging out whatever just doing whatever shit. yeah and it was just real regular type shit and then um we would also document the music we was into so like this is like when trap and all that shit was first rolling so like nobody mm-hmm. was listening to waka flocka but us but like mm-hmm. we was on that shit fucking listening to fucking slim duncan and man like, y'all y'all like i give it to y'all man y'all music taste <laughs> is um like no other yeah because no. Um, I would say like you and Anwar and like um, Taylor that I used to do uh, West Side Story with man y'all I don't know fucking how y'all be fucking knowing all this fucking music and then like and then to and then to be knowing it to to, to be able to even give an opinion about it yeah. you know about like oh yeah this is some good shit it's yeah. like damn it's like fuck how the fuck you know all this all this fucking music and it's like it's so much music that come out every day yeah it's too much music at this point but it, it's it's funny like it's just just about knowing what you like and, and standing on that and like having you know a good ear and knowing what Knowing what the moment calls for. That's like what a great A and R, a great DJ, a great, you know, great ears have. But um yeah, no, nah, like that blog was just us documenting our lives and shit. And it was just like, you know, people like people around the city used to see it and that's that's something that we didn't really think about too much, but we did know. And Casey was just one of them kids who saw it and was like, damn, I like how y'all moving, I like what y'all mm-hmm. doing, y'all trying to do something, y'all got something already. He was like, Man, like I wanna be a part of that, like, you know, I'm rapping. I remember the first song that we really were like, all right, like we're gonna do this was um I can't remember the name of it, but it was like over MF Doom beat, mm-hmm. and that was like one of Casey's like first like that was like one of the first tracks that we were like, all right, like you're Casey Veggies now, like we mm-hmm. about to put this out and like start pushing this shit, and um, from there we just started moving, man. It wasn't like we ever signed any papers or had like I mean we always just had meetings and talks and like always were like thinking about what the next move was, but I remember after that day it was just like all right, like you the rapper. We have this brand. We're music managers. Like, this is how we're going to move on it. Mm-hmm. And, like, me coming up, and me and Anwar, it's funny, like, coming up, like, I was just a huge Rockefeller fan. So, like, uh-huh. I seen that, how a triangle could work with, like, you know, a Jay-Z, a Dame, a Big. Like, I mm-hmm. seen how well that could go. Mm-hmm. And I seen what we were building. I just seen, like, the influence that we had in the city and, like, how things were just going. Like, it felt like, all right, like, all right, we could really make this something. And, like, people believed in it. And mm-hmm. that's just really what it was. Like, we all went hard for it the official thing was going on right then so we had like brothers in this and mm-hmm. like people who were also doing it across the way and it was just it was a cool moment it was funny it was like it was it didn't feel like oh we're about to go do this like oh you know in the movies it's like it always feels so planned out and like yeah it's like man we about to we about yeah, to hit it big with yeah, this one man it's yeah. gonna be the one man it's gonna take us to the top and then it's like then it'd be the one that take them to the top and then it all yeah, like the in the movies, but like, yeah, man, it, it's a process. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a marathon, man. Man, that's facts. But like, so what what kind of experience did you have as far as like managing an artist, or what what was like the first like things that you did as as the as the, as your as a manager? I did everything, man, from putting together shows to. What was the first show you put together? Um. 
Like, what was the first show that you that you? What was the first thing that y'all like? Or were a part of? Like, where y'all got where y'all got money for? Got like, money whether for. it was like fifty dollars or even something small, but like, what was the first thing where it was like? All right, we're fucking legit managers now. We just got our artists. We just made our artists oh, yeah. some money. Damn, that's that's funny. I'm trying to think. Like, it's always been like little things popping up. Like, I think one of the first things that just stood out to me, and I was I was talking to one of the dudes who put it together recently, was when um, we met Jonas from LRG. Uh huh. And like we went out there, we met up with him, and like LRG actually put some money into like us like doing a couple of things with them. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, like I was like, because this is like you gotta understand, we're streetwear guys. LRG uh-huh. it was streetwear, but went up to like hip hop wear, and like it was like, mm-hmm. it was like we were kind of bypassing what all these dudes were doing on Fairfax. I was like, yo, we're going straight to y'all big homies, LRG, mm-hmm. and like doing shit with them. So it was like yeah, kind of that, that flex. And then it was almost like like just from us internally, like LRG was a little bit over the hill. But we were like, dog, we can make anything tight. And like, we were always adamant about that shit. We mm-hmm. was like, yo, we know what the fuck is cool. We can make this shit cool. So I remember. Damn, like, that was crazy because I remember that shit. I remember you and y'all linked up with LRG. Yeah. That was our first That was our first year that we did West Side Story. Okay. That was our first year that we was doing West Side Story. Yeah. And it's crazy. The thing with that was like, man, when we first started that, it was like just like an idea. Like you said, it was an idea that Taylor, she was already kind of starting it and then she was like you know i think that you can kind of make it better yeah. you know by you know just like you know just being you and adding you know whatever you can bring to the table so then you know we just kind of just thought about okay well we could kind of make this site where we could kind of serve uh under uh, under uh serve market yeah you know and up and coming artists at that time was like a real like underserved market because it was like no platforms that yeah. that was like kind of like promoting and then you know we kind of found that avenue and then like after a year like, i kind of knew it was real like when we had got like the advertised uh the ad space oh, money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we had made like five hundred dollars yeah like, like we had made five hundred dollars like the in a year and it was like it, we, we were just on like a little blogger site it was, yeah, it was like it was, how we we made some money off of just nothing yeah just from the clicks yeah. it was just like we didn't have to put no money into this it was just like a regular blogger layout and yeah. shit like that and then we kind of just you know use that money to like grow and develop better sites and shit over time but yeah, yeah man like that i i mean it's funny i, I always like i liked your site just because what you said it was like you guys served the under deserved or underserved market and like I see a lot of that with like nowadays you got like the Rosecrans Vic and like mm-hmm. what they're doing with that like website and like even like to an extent like a new jump no jumper like there was mm-hmm. always like this layer of underground that wasn't really getting covered in press and you guys were kind of doing that early on. Yeah, because I mean we were posting Kendrick Lamar early on before, you know, before it was hitting two dope boys. Yeah, exactly. Before, you know, posting man, posting YG. Yep. Um, yeah, posting like, Casey. Yeah, like, you, you gotta know? think about it. Uh, uh, two Doughboys wouldn't post a YG song mm-hmm. or project, so it's like, where would you get that mm-hmm. from? If you were going to West Side Story and like these other. And it was one point where uh, Man was like kind of like exclusively like dropping his shit like on our site. So yeah. then it was points where like Def Jam was tweeting to get Man's shit so, at westsidestory.com yeah. so like man like that shit was like it was like really booming like and it was just crazy because it was just a a, a, a small idea that we didn't even know like the, the possibilities of it's just like a, a it's just like the things that you could do with a blog site yeah. like 
everybody has the same fucking, you know, WordPress. You know, you can log in and fucking put a title, so a body. Yeah. And it all depends on like what you use for your body yeah. on your fucking shit. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So y'all linked up with LRG, and then that was like the first time where y'all was like, All that right, was, we making some money. We making like we really like, you know, because shit just was like that was when things started to roll. So like we were linked up with LRG, started to link up with Rock Nation around that time. But like I remember the LRG thing was like, yo, they they gave us a car out to Irvine. We met with Jonas, the owner, sat down with us. He's like, oh yeah, whatever y'all trying to do. He's like, I'm fucking with it, like. Niggas that worked at LRG had never met Jonas. Like, yeah. We in his office. This dude, like, yo, what y'all, like, talking to us like we homies. Like, loving what we doing. He's like, oh, y'all got your own camo? Like, who like who are y'all kids? Y'all got yeah. your own camo at, like, this age? Like, what y'all doing? So he was just one of the early supporters that I really, like, that moment marked, like, meant a lot for me. And then just, like, just being able to play around their budget. Like, them niggas took us to the Slauson Mall and got me a grill. Like, <laughs> like nigga, you, like... Just you, still got the, you still got the grill? Nah, I lost it. I oh, feel like I fucking... Nigga, I don't know. Man. I think I lost it, like, overseas on some random oh, shit. Oh, man. This nigga was overseas trying to flex. Yeah, definitely. Because I was... I was. It was just like... that. I don't know. What I need a grill for? Yeah. But it was just, like, something I wanted. I remember they ended up paying for it. It was just, like, little shit like that. Like, we had a whole little, like, content series that we did with them that never even came out. Yeah. But they was, believed yeah, in us. Yeah, yeah. was willing to spend money. It never and, like, came out. It was dope. It was but, a dope and, and, but the good thing about y'all, too, is, like, y'all kind of documented it the whole way because y'all had the the Wave of Soul series. Exactly. The Wave of Soul series was fucking key to yeah. y'all fucking come up because it, it was it was similar to, um, I compared to uh, a Wiz day-to-days. Yep. The, way, the Wave of Souls was was y'all day-to-days because yep. I feel like the day-to-days was what took Wiz over Oh, yeah, top. without a doubt. Because it's like it got people to actually know y'all through the internet and mm-hmm. it was like when you know we were just getting introduced to social media and people being able to uh see and touch and and talk to and have more accessibility to their you know um to artists that they were fans of and on top of artists that um that you're fans of you now able to see a little bit more of the behind the scenes uh because now you're able to see some of the people that are involved on on uh from the managers yep. to the you know all kind of shit it's funny i feel like the wave of souls gave people a peek behind like who the true players were on fear effects like from just the people who worked at the stores the people who were designing the clothes and people were just like yeah, because it's like, man, it was like, on the block. it was like one thing. It was like a big thing to be featured on one of the episodes. And it's just like, <laughs> shit, I, I know I made my, my way into like a couple. So it was like, it was like a good thing to, you know, like, yeah, I'm on Wave of Soul fucking 52 or something like That's that. You funny. know what I'm saying? I got to go back and watch this shit. Because like, honestly, I'm just... It was just dope. Like, it was really just Anwar. That, I, I will chalk that up to just Anwar being like, yeah, I'm taking my camera everywhere. And like... Yeah, because it wasn't like a thing where it was like, oh, we're filming a wave episode. It was just like, you'd just be chilling like or something in the studio. And then this nigga Anwar just pull out the camera and start recording. Or like niggas would be in mid-conversation about something and just pull out a camera. Yeah, that shit was, it was funny, man. That was a good time. Yeah, man. So while you were doing that, you were working regular jobs? Yeah, nah, it's funny. While I was doing the, the, the peace and care stuff, I was like, I was just doing jobs here and there, like... I'm trying to think. High school, I was working. Like, at, like what were you doing to like since like music like wasn't paying your bills at that point? So, oh, oh what was yeah, like? I know that what was, was like paying scam, your bills and like in the country like everybody else. I was going to school. I was at CSUN. <sighs> so at the time, I was going. To, I was enrolled in CSUN. 
had a little financial aid check. Um, I graduated in 2008, so the two years after that, I was enrolled in school, got a check, didn't really go to school. That first year, I was, like, up there, but, like, it was funny. I was just up there selling weed. <laughs> like, I would just go up there every day and just sell, like, weed. Like, all, I would just literally sit. CSUN had a little spot that was called Crenshaw. <laughs> and, like, I would either have the homegirl. Uh, That's crazy. That sounds like some uh, some all-American shit to me. Yeah. Man, I ain't seen that show yet, but everybody oh, keeps saying, man. hey, I need to watch that. Everybody. Hey, no, nah, I recommend that show, man. I recommend it. For real. Uh, the nigga who probably wrote it went to CSUN. Because it was literally a strip of CSUN. It's like Cal State Northridge. This is Cal State school. And they had an area where all the black people hung out. And they just called it Crenshaw. And, like, literally, I would, like, I would, I would either go up there with my homegirl, Ashley. I had my homegirl, Ashley. I had my homegirl. What's the other girl's name? I can't remember these girls' names at this point. It's like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But one of my homegirls had an apartment that was, like, right across the street from campus. Oh, so I, I would go down there, smoke, come back sell some weed, go back to her spot, smoke, and when GP was just hitting me up, I was just go, like, meet me on Crenshaw, go over there. So was you living out there? Like, nah, the I wasn't living out there. See, that's the thing. So I how was you getting out to the valley every I day? I had a homegirl, Ashley, that would go, she didn't dorm, I didn't dorm, I didn't, I tried to dorm, but I, I got, I qualified late, and when they gave it to me, I was like, I'm about to keep my money, fuck yeah, y'all, yeah. <laughs> that's my money now. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna just give her some gas money every week, she going out there every day, and she'll go out there in the morning, and she'll leave at like, during the, uh, like, after like her last class would be like at three or some shit. She'd be like, Oh, you wanna ride back with me or not? And I'd be like, Yeah or no. I either stay at my homegirl house or ride back with her. Man, this thing was living a you was living a crazy life, dog. Oh, bro. All, all while trying to yeah. be a, a Dame Dash. Nigga. All while trying to be a music executive. Nigga. <laughs> it's so crazy because I remember I used to cause at the same time I went there, uh Chuck went there. So Chuck, aka Calmatic. Okay. Old Town Road, Lil Nas uh-huh, X director. Yeah. <laughs> director of the it's year, director right? Director of all the overdose catalog. Yeah. So Chuck was going at the same time and he used to drive up there some days. So some days I'll ride with him, smoke him out just to ride up there and then we'd just be chopping up. Like it's funny, I used to just like I didn't drive. Like that was another thing about me and Anwar and just peas and carrots. Like me and Anwar didn't drive for the longest time. Niggas just mm-hmm. knew us as just niggas who was just around, but like How'd you get here? Yeah, I always wondered that. I was like, damn, did them niggas drive? Nah, we had a... It's so funny. We had I'm like, thing. I knew Casey didn't drive. I'm like, nah, it's so funny. Fuck, like, how the fuck y'all... Because I would see y'all nigga at the most, like, random places. Bro, like, I'll be in places with man. I'd be like, damn, yeah. like, we just came far as fuck. Nigga, Orange weird. County, Irvine, <laughs> wherever. Nigga, Riverside, we went out there for shows. I honestly thank the Lord for homies like, like the homie uh, Yori. He used to be driving. He had the whip early on. Mm. He used to drive his grandma whip. Hot mm. boxing her shit. Oh, my God. Y'all <laughs> reckless. Yeah. Then it was just, like, random homegirls I used to look out. Like, just, you know, just it's being kids, man. Yeah. Catching the bus in places. Niggas wasn't beneath that shit, like, early oh, yeah, on. Especially man. high school. Like, niggas was like, oh, what? Yeah, I was on the bus everywhere. Yeah. Every, ever, I was everywhere on the bus. Bro, for real. And it's funny because I think about that shit now. Like, we were laying the foundations in high school. Like, all that fear fact shit hanging out there was all high school. And, like... I was Josh Pease in high school. Like, if you look at my high school yearbook, I was on the yearbook staff just because, like, that was, like, a six-period class that mm-hmm. you just could take and not go to. Uh-huh. And it was the same teacher as a journalism teacher, and I was in the journalism and shit. Uh-huh. So I remember, like, I got mad cool with the editor. We just all mad cool, and, like, I had a page in the yearbook. And it's literally, like, if you look at the Hollywood High 2008 yearbook, I have a page, and it's like, I forgot what it said. Damn, uh, I ran against Hollywood High in, uh, in 2008. I gotta go look it's it up right. when I get home, but I forgot what the fuck quote I put in there. Oh, peace, peas and love, and then I had like a pea pod, and it was like 
six pea pods. It was all different like types of my faces. So you was branded early. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I was Josh P's in high school, so like I was always laying the foundation for this shit. So like once you know college came, I was like I knew what I was about to do. Like I was just waiting for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Mac Miller, like literally my sophomore year, he was like, man, we take you. So my sophomore year of college, Casey was graduating high school. Mm-hmm. So we were just making moves. I remember I had got MTV to come out to his graduation. Yeah, because I, me- yeah, I remember that because uh, we had came. That was my first year at ASU. And then that was um, that was um, right when I had just met Damo. Okay. I had just met Damo freshman year. Yeah. And, um, cause I remember Damo was talking about like, yeah, he rapped and shit. Yeah. But it was like, I had never heard none of his shit. Okay. And then it was just like, cause there was so many people at, at ASU you meet that yeah. like, I'm a rapper, I rap and all yeah, this shit. You heard that shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a rapper. But no, I rap. he was really doing this yeah. shit. It's funny. I so, remember. But look though. So then he's, he's, he releases a song, right? And he he wants to release it on WestSideStory.com, right? So then, uh, Rolling pa- the Rolling Papers song, yeah, like oh, actual shit. song, and then and then he he dropped Rolling Papers on WestSideStory.com too, and and tweeted it. That was like where it dropped on OurFuture.com and WestSideStory.com. Oh, so the song when he sent me that shit, and it was Tyler the Creator on there. Yeah, I was like. That's the old nigga from fucking Casey <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's Casey old homie that was on Casey first shit. Like, that's the old nigga with oh the deep God. voice. So and then, then <laughs> I find out, I'm like, damn, this nigga is our age. <laughs> it's all that. I swear from, um, from 2006 all the way to 2010, I thought Tyler Creator was a fucking grown ass man. That's crazy. Yeah, nah, he just he always like a grown man, like with like probably like with kids and all kind of other shit, (laughs) nigga. And I'm like, Damo, you, you, I'm like, this the nigga that was on Casey shit. I remember this nigga. Yeah, nah, that was that was crazy, and then it all just came to fruition. I was just like, damn, this is crazy, and then it just blew up from there, and then uh, and then uh. Yeah, that semester was crazy because he had he had dropped it the first week of school. Yeah, and then pretty much like that semester was. Then he was gonna smoke out the rest was, of the yeah, semester. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like he was Domo Genesis at that point. But then it was like he was so like mellow about it. Like he wasn't. He didn't like. We didn't like necessarily like go out like yeah. and do like no extra shit or nothing like that. We were still the same. Because it was still like underground. Spot. It was just yeah. like you was you had to be you had to know to know. Yeah. And it was some people that were campus that probably mm-hmm. knew, but it was just like. But it would be, it would be it was crazy with the girl. It was crazy most with the black girls uh-huh. because they didn't fucking understand it at first. Yeah, that makes sense. But then they understood the fucking clout that yeah. was coming. <laughs> they understood like. Damn, he's fucking big. We don't know why he's fucking big, but he's fucking big. That's comedy. <laughs> and then you just like start to realize like the different like the ways that they would act like when Damo would come around, like versus like how they would have acted the year previously. Yeah, yeah. He was Damo Genesis. Yeah, now. man, that's crazy, man. Shout out to uh to Casey Old Homie. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Old Man Homie. So yeah, so you was working regular jobs, so then yeah, no, it was financial aid. I was, it's funny, high school was regular jobs. It was Macy's, Costco. After that, it was like financial aid, finessing that up until like 
fucking going up on the road like yeah tell me about that the touring the tour like so so he was like we gonna bring you on tour and then i remember that's when y'all dropped y'all first tee yeah so yeah the tour is when we dropped the first tees the great the gray one yeah it's the great shit i probably still <laughs> the gray and the olive black yeah, damn, yeah, that was it. And it's funny because, yeah, we came to ASU around that, like, when we had them, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I remember we went to that random-ass party at that, like... Yeah, yeah. we went to... Um, we was out. Yeah, I remember um, Casey, I came... Um, no, I don't think you came that time when Casey came with Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't come that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah Casey yeah. came with Carter freshman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't and, come that time. Yeah, because Anwar was there, and then uh, we was uh, smoking out in uh, Scottsdale. Huh. Yeah, man. But yeah, then we, I remember when y'all came, we was we had fucking road trip down to fucking Tucson when y'all went to Tucson oh, yeah. too. Yeah, I remember that. Damn. Yeah, Damn. I came to AS, I came to uh, Arizona. I mean, to whatever city I was in, Tempe. Yep. And then we we road trip to fucking Tucson the next day. It's crazy yeah. how like that little connection between like Arizona and Tempe and Tucson and shit, and like LA and California music. Because like now I look at like. AZ Chike, like he does a bunch of shows out that way a bunch, and mm -hmm. like just that that LA rap scene is like moving in that space right now, so it's dope. But um, yeah, like what? what how was how was it uh, at first? Like what? It was dope. What? No, it was felt like we was at home. It felt like we were at like you know it felt like we was in San Diego or some shit. Like it was like close enough to home, but further enough to not be like home. That's how Arizona felt at least. But like just going on the road that first time. It was just dope. Like, we went on the road for, like, three months. Like, I remember we were gone for Thanksgiving. Like, we had Thanksgiving on, like, the... What was, like, the hardest part about it? Um, For me, it was just, like... I wouldn't say it was even being homesick. It was just, like, being that uncomfortable feeling. Like, this is my first time being away from home, and it's to be on a, a hip-hop tour. <laughs> like, that's just a crazy, uncomfortable feeling, and just, like... It was just a little bit of adjustment to getting used to, and then just, like, being on a hip-hop tour and having to, like be a businessman and run shit and yeah. like be organized and like it was so much little shit that I just learned along the way and like so much shit that happened and like it was just always pivoting and figuring it out so like so how would you guys um cause I always wanted to know how would you guys manage uh you know having you know enough supply for you know each like tour stop because um what I noticed about you guys and what I like to give you guys credit for it you guys were like one of like the first i wouldn't want to say like one of the first but like you know from from i would say this um los angeles like epic center that you yeah. know that we that we grew up in um you guys were like one of the first collectives to kind of like figure out like okay we're gonna do this you know tour merch and you know have merch specifically um exclusive to a specific oh, yeah. uh, stop no nah, so I like we may you may have a design that may um be exclusive to like seattle or yep. may have a seattle um, um resemblance or a seattle homage yeah. that's only available at the seattle fucking store sto nah. uh shop or yeah, whatever pop-up pop -up yeah. that you or meet and greet that you guys do um, and then not sell it online. Yeah. Um, no, that was like, what was the whole idea of like, you know, the whole exclusivity? Cause I feel like the exclusivity that you guys had on your brand was like one of the things that made it uh, more esteemed and, and prestigious. Yeah. No, that came from us just being like streetwear guys. Like we always seen that exclusive and limited edition was where it is at in streetwear. And we just applied that to music. And it's funny. Cause like, I always, I always stress this. I feel like we were the first to really apply that to music in this hip hop new age space. Like mm -hmm. now you kind of got, yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Yeah, I, I, the person I think follows that formula like the greatest right now is is funny enough Kehlani mm-hmm. and her oh, team. Yeah, I haven't yeah. even uh, followed up on. Or, I mean, if you just uh, look at, I'm, on, I'm not up on her. Um, if her just, marketing. Yeah, if you just look at how she drops shit, the way she talks to her fan base, I, that was very much how Peas and Carrots was moving, and like how Casey's merch was moving, and how it would have continued on if you just look at what the progression was. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, it was just like that came from us being streetwear guys, knowing about limited edition was where it was at. We and that was came from us making connections in different cities. Like when we mm-hmm. go to Seattle, we had a connection up there. It's so funny. I just went to an Amazon event a few weeks back. They were honoring Macklemore, mm-hmm. and Macklemore's DJ came up to me and was like, "Yo, like I just wanted to come up and say respect, man. I remember you from the Peace and Cares days. You came out to a shop I was working at up there." And now, you know, I got my own shop up here oh, at Macaboy's DJ. And that was just like, oh, shit. Like, and that just came from us, like, knowing the scene, mm-hmm. coming up there, doing things. And, like, it, we knew we did that in every city. Like, we literally tried to make, we, in every city, we went to every streetwear store we could find. That was our thing. I think that ties back into, like, what we were talking about, the, the um, I would say, like, the intangible uh, skills that you picked up along the way. Yep. Like, not necessarily um, going to college and, you know, majoring in business and yeah, things yeah. like that, but from doing you know your experience in the business your hands-on experience uh you were able to learn the importance of developing uh relationships and networking and uh able to negotiate and things like that um what was what's like one of the what was like one of the hardest things that you um like had to negotiate or uh while you're on tour uh, what are some of the things like, as a manager that you have to like funny, negotiate? This is actually documented. I think it wasn't more so much of a negotiation. It was just more of an argument. It was on this little web series we did where we like road tripped. It was, I forgot. I think it's called Road Trip. And it was supposed to be like a series where we follow artists and them like on the road. But this was just like we did like a promo tour with Big Crit mm-hmm. and like a fucking church van literally. And that's like one of those episodes of us getting a church van. But there was one show. Casey was never 21 like when we were doing all these tours. You got to understand like this is a young kid. So we would do shows at like bars and shit, and they would like not know how young he is. Mm-hmm. And it's one. It was I think it was Arizona, matter of fact. It's I was gonna say fucking, that's the tour that we. That, oh that yeah. I went to the um, Big Crit tour. Okay, yeah, that that show. I just remember arguing back. It wasn't a negotiation. It was just me arguing with this club owner because I'm like, yo, he's the headliner. So what that he's 18 years old? He, yeah. The reason why people yeah. are there. I remember like, they wasn't trying to let Casey in. Yeah, and I'm like, and he's that? performing. Yeah, I'm I like, rem- his I remember. Name is on the market, yeah. sir. Like, come yeah. on. I remember that. I was there. Yeah. yeah. So it just be shit like that. I Damn. Mean, negotiation yeah. wise, I think. And then it's like they're not looking at you like you're the real like manager. Yeah. Like, I'm a young cat you. too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's just a, it was so much of like a, a a power struggle and people having to like really take me serious. That's why in emails I'm using where it's like logistics because I'm like yo like <laughs> yeah you gotta you gonna take me serious yeah you know, before you first see impression me. Yeah. yeah exactly so. It's funny, like that's that's always that was always a power struggle when we were younger. And even that still. was the impression I got from you when you fucking used that word logistics. It was like no matter if you said anything else, yeah. Um, I, the impression that you placed on me was like a good impression because I'm like, damn, this thing is using vocabulary like yeah. logistics. I'm like, I know what that means, but it's like shit, I ain't never. You yeah, thought to even use that. I would just use details or Bro, something like that. It's a method to that shit. Like it's really a reason why. And I think um, just even in business being a black man, you kind of got to like move with a certain tact and suave and salve in, mm-hmm. in the business. And like, that's one thing I've always kind of like always just preached to people coming up under me and just always tried to like preach to myself is like, you got to know how to conduct yourself and know like what you're, 
like what you're bringing to the table and like what you're trying to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And like you know, you always run into a situation where people judge you and be like, "Oh, you're wearing baggy sweats," yeah. or like, but it's like, nah, like I come from hip hop. This is my culture. Like, but I'm also able to speak articulately and do million dollar deals with whoever. Exactly. Like I can, I can, I can talk the talk with whoever. Yeah. You sit me at the table with. Exactly. Um. So when you guys were on tour, uh. You guys had a stop in Canada, oh, yeah. and something happened where they wouldn't let you in Canada. Yeah. Nah, it's funny. It's just crazy. Like, I didn't even think about it so much because I was like, I was. I got like, I got caught up in some little bullshit like right before I graduated high school, and I think I was eight, I was eighteen, so it was like it counted as I was a. Oh, was like counting on like your record. And yeah, shit. so it was like a little misdemeanor, some bullshit. I played. I think I did probably like no contest. I did some community service, whatever. Didn't even think about it. Going up to Canada, didn't even think about how strict they are. Going up to Canada on a rap tour, they're che- they're checking. We're in an RV, mind you. They're checking this RV like we got fucking bricks under it. Finally get. Did passed. you have a passport? Had a passport. Had everything. We had everything ready to go. And then um, they were like, "Oh, you just gotta like list your prior convictions." So I'm not even thinking about that shit. Cause I'm like, "Oh, I already paid my time yeah. or whatever for it." Yeah. And um, I didn't list it. So they brought me. They're like, "Oh, like everyone can go through it except for you." So then they interview me. And then they basically just let me know, like, just because I didn't be forthcoming with that conviction, that they weren't going to let me in. So oh, we had a show that night. So I'm like, all right, I'll just go ahead. They literally walked me across the border. I walked to, like, this hotel that had, like, a steakhouse, a part of it. <laughs> I ordered a steak, grabbed a room, and just, like, literally waited for these niggas to come back across the border. These, and then it's so shady because, like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just grab the room for, like, one night type shit. <laughs> These niggas came back. I don't think they're going to come back at like 4 in the morning. Or not, you know, like, they come back at a respectable time, like 3 in the morning. These niggas came back at like 7 in the morning type <laughs> shit. I'm like, fuck. But uh, they had a good time in Canada. I didn't. I still haven't been back since. So. Hey, man. But the, the good thing about that and the way that y'all were able to parlay that into a marketing campaign, yeah. it was like genius because it was like fucking all this time. All these years, like it, I fucking was um, inquisitive to the fact that what happened to yeah. get you banned from from Canada? Yeah, like, nah, was... what happened for them to fucking you can't ban the P man? Like, yeah, nah, what, we what it... sparked that that T shirt? Yeah, so then after that, we like Canada love Casey Veggies. They love peas and carrots. So we had planned a Canada tour, and I don't even think I was going. I was just like, fuck it, I'm not even trying to go. Mm-hmm. So um, we just made some shirts, can't ban the P man. Yeah. And, like I remember, I, one of my favorite pictures ever is uh, there's like a picture of Young Scooter and Metro Boomers wearing the shirt. And, like, Young Scooter's holding all this money. But that was something we were always about. Like, we had some Canada-specific T-shirts. So we had, like, a whole capsule for Canada when he did that tour. And I remember when he did that tour. So, like, how do you... What's the logistics behind getting the the merch to the Canada with the different Canada stops? Uh, Oh, so it's just, like... I mean, we just ordered ahead. Like, we were like, yo, we need this this many shirts to stop. And, like, honestly, we were type to, like, sell until we sold out. So, like, if we were in Vancouver and we had three more stops after and everything sold out... That's just how the cookie crumble. Like, that's just how that shit goes sometimes. But we would usually do like a, a t-shirt for like the Vancouver store, then a t-shirt for the Montreal store, and then a t-shirt for that one. So they always had their own exclusive. Mm-hmm. But you know, then there would be like the other ones that were just all over Canada, and those just went like. And it was just that was just a part of it, man. Like I feel like, you know, we were we were always good about like linking with a store in that area and then like even shipping clothes to that store so it's like all right mm-hmm. y'all got y'all shipment in so we just come in there light 
come and sell this shit mm-hmm. and just do our thing. Or even like if there's a store that like did their own like clothing line, then we'll have them print and we'll just use it there. Okay, so, so yeah. that so then they would like just print, they would screen print themselves exactly. and then they'll pretty much. Okay. Yeah, so it was always like ways around it, and that's just us coming from a streetwear mentality, like. I feel like we were the first dudes in hip hop thinking about this shit like streetwear guys. Mm-hmm. And that's where really our leg up and advantage was. Yeah, man. I mean, and then you guys parlayed that into a brick and mortar store. Yeah. So, like, w- how did that come about? I know, like, that was just. I know it was like a big plan that you guys probably had from the jump. Like, yeah, we're going to have a yeah. peace and care store, but like, how did you guys get that plan in motion, like where it can actually be uh, um, something that can happen? Yeah, it was just always like that was always in the stars for us. And then it was just also just like it was just steps. We were taking the steps towards that all, always, like from the, the tour merch to coming back and doing pop ups at certain mm-hmm. spots. And like we always had that mindset, like, yo, we're always going towards this goal of having our own home base or our own headquarters. So at the time, we just we, we met up with a business partner who was like, yo, let, let me help you grow your business. Like, let me help you structure your business to grow your business. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. And, like, that store was, like, it was basically marketing for, like, their whole entire Peas and Carrots brand. Like, you can come to the Peas and Carrots store and live the lifestyle. You can hear the music. You can see the clothes. You can see the rapper. You can come and see, like, a record release party there. Mm-hmm. We had, like, little events. Like, we had free-range chicken pop-ups mm-hmm. and, like, a little Christmas event. So it was, like, always something going on there. And that was what our thought process behind it was. Like, we were kids who came up on Fairfax and saw what uh, community that was and Mm -hmm. how that gave back to, like, underprivileged and people who just needed community. And I I still champion that that thought process and that today. Like, I love when shops have benches and just have kids hanging out and and soaking up energy and game because, like, I'd rather do that than be in a gang and be robbing and killing folks. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the Peas and Carrots brand was, and that's what the store was. And that was just, like, really what it, like, when we when we had, when we opened it, it was really like, yo, like, we're not thinking so much as this is going to be our money maker. We make our m- money on the line. Like, that's where people are buying our shit. We mm-hmm. have fans of Japan. Like, mm-hmm. that's where, you know, that's where yeah, the money is. Exactly. We were like, yo, we just want a place where people can come and experience the brand. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what it was. It was dope. Got it, man. And that's crazy because... All right, so then you guys had that store, and then you kind of, then that's when you had the Ain't Shit Funny yeah. brand uh, pop off. Yeah. Um, where, where did that come from? That was just me just, like, always having, like, it's funny. When me and Anwar early on did Peas and Carrots, I always had, like, a little sub-brand I was just always thinking about and, like, always had in the back of my mind. Uh-huh. And um, I just always had designs that were like, not even, I wouldn't even call it a sub-brand. I always had designs that I wanted to pitch, or not even pitch, but use for P's and Carrots, but we just knew it didn't fit the aesthetic of P's and uh-huh. Carrots. So we were like, yo, early on, we're just branding this healthy lifestyle, veggie, like, it was like, we can't come and throw in a fucking... Ain't shit funny. Yeah, it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, yo, we can do this on the side and make it work. So I think one of the first shirts was just like the logo shirt, Ain't Shit Funny. I mean, it's literally a rip of, uh, fuck, I'm blanking on the brand right now. Not Thon Brown. Uh, I can't remember the brand. I really ripped this brand's logo. I can't remember it. So it's just, it was just me just fucking around. Like, and I think the shirt that really, like, cemented ain't shit funny for me was the, um, was the Hermes shirt. Yeah, I would say that with the cease and desist. Yeah, well, the cease and desist was after that. The Hermes shirt was dope because it was like, that's when everybody was doing the Inspired by shit. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the first really one that like kind of set it off. Uh-huh. Everybody loved that shirt. I remember I made Dex shirts. 
everybody was on that shit. It was on a champion build. It was a mm-hmm. nice shirt. This shit was just ahead of its time. And I was just like, me and Anwar just being like, yo, let's just do this shit real quick. Like, it reminded us of the box logo. So we're like, oh, let's just snap and do that. Mm-hmm. So we did it. Worked out. Shit was going crazy. Got an email one day. They were like, yo, like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta change this. You can't roll with this. So we got the email and they were like, yo, you, you don't have to, uh, they were like, you just gotta burn everything you have or like get rid of everything, but not burn, but just like get rid of it. Okay. So I want to say like, damn, they, you gotta have proof that you burned. We just was like, no. So we told them, we're like, yo, those are just photos. Those are, those are samples. We're not putting them out, blah, blah, blah. Ended up selling them on the low, just like hand to hand type shit. Uh-huh. But um, that shit was like a legend. And then from there, we put that letter on the t-shirt. And yeah, that I remember shit that. was even bigger. And then like, from there, I did like the Indian shirt, which was just me just like looking at the Indians logo and being like, damn, what if that uh-huh. was frowning? Cause like, that was just my shit. Like I was just, I always wanted to take things that we saw in public's place and just flip it on his head and give it a new meaning. I think that I remember with the Indians uh, shirt, um, the thing about your your designs is they be so ahead of his time where with the I, th- I remember we were talking about this uh, a couple of years ago when the Indians were in the World Series and yeah. then they lost the three one lead Man. and it was like then they lost in game seven and it was just like everybody it was like that would have been a perfect time to drop that shirt yeah I, honestly, but I mean didn't you uh, I did didn't I did you release it yeah I re-released it around yeah. that time made a little money. I wish I would have won because honestly I would have been booming but yeah. it's funny that you said before the time because like the Prince jersey yeah. that was an idea that I just I literally found these blank Minnesota Vikings jerseys on mm-hmm. eBay and I didn't even have an idea I was just like damn I just be on eBay buying shit uh-huh. I just bought those like fuck it I'm just having them. I had like a hundred jerseys and then one day my mom was always a big Prince fan and one day I just had the idea, like I was like, damn, like what's that, like Prince Minnesota, like I'm like, let me Google this real quick. And he had a fight song for him. Mm. I was like, oh shit. And then, like I just grew up with Prince in my household, so I was like, oh, like let me just flip this and just do these Prince jerseys. And when I put them out, they sold a little bit. People bought them. People were like, oh, that's clever. Every they didn't sell crazy, but they sold enough to where everybody was like, yo, that's wow, that's mm-hmm. a crazy idea. And I remember when he passed away, my website just was like crazy. Oh yeah, man. So I just I took it down real quick, then I re-released it, and that shit was booming since then. Like I, find, I remember my homie wore it to like a New Orleans jazz festival, and J Cole was playing, and he was mad cool with Cole. Cole wore, ended up seeing him, was like, "Yo, let me wear that on stage." He wore it on stage, and that shit just went out of here. Went, but I remember yeah. that shit. Viral yeah, man, I got, viral. I got me one of those, man. Every time I wear that shit, everybody be like, "Man." That shit is even like old people. Like no, old people. Bro, old people probably the most. No, I'm gonna tell you, I don't even have one now currently because I gave, I had a white one and a purple one in my closet, and I ended up giving it to my mom and her husband. Uh-huh. So like, I don't even have one personally. Damn. Now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a classic right there. I was like, damn. Yeah. Hundred dollars a pop, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to re-release them though. I'm. It's funny. I like the piece. The ain't shit funny shit for me was just always like an art project. Like, even around the time I put out those jerseys, I put out, like, a zine with it. And a part of the zine was just, like, different, like, stories about Prince, just stories about myself. Uh-huh. Like, if you if you got that zine, like, you have a piece of me in that zine. Like, I tell a story about, like, when I did DMT. And, like... Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, like, and that, that story probably only lives in that zine. Like, yeah, I haven't written like down something. tripping out. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like, it's just a crazy story. Like, I just... And I had, like, some people make some art inspired by Prince. So, uh-huh. Like, if you have that zine, shout out to you. Send it to me, I'll sign it and send it back to you. <laughs> man, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's so much uh so much timeless stuff in the ain't shit funny brand. I remember you guys had the um Steve Jobs little 
or um, long sleeves. Oh yeah, that was like man. The, shout like out little turtleneck, little yeah, the mock neck. Yeah, yeah, shout out to uh, Metro Boomin. He has my favorite photo wearing that because he put the diamonds on top of it. I think he killed it. Yeah, man. So, um, so then what? What made you guys have to, have to close up the store? It was just crazy. Like it was a crazy time. Like we were still kids learning business and like shit. Not even to say shit got overwhelming, but like we weren't all, we didn't have a solid foundation. Like we didn't have a solid agreement and we mm-hmm. doubling back trying to get all that under control. And we had some great people in our corner, like shout out to uh, Humble, our business manager at the time. He was helping us structure the business and get everything under control. But you know, just things weren't always solid on the foundation and people just had different kind of thoughts and, and, and different type of opinions on how things should go. So we was just like, all right, like, you know, let's go our separate ways. Like, let why fight internally to turn that into an external fight and feel bad about what we're doing. Let's mm-hmm. just, you know, walk away from it. And, you know, let everyone do what they got to do. And that was just a piece of the store kind of closing and just like that, that whole situation. So that, like, pretty much like, uh, like the whole, like, dissolvement of the whole group, like, kind of, like, coincided with, like, the, the closure of the store around yeah. the same time? Yeah, no, that was really, like, that was damn near the reason behind it i feel like once we it was like the store is closing that was kind of like the disclose like the dissolving of the group but then like we were like all right let's keep it kind of going so we kind of we closed and then we opened back up for like a few months but like Mm -hmm. shit just wasn't the same shit wasn't really rolling how it should have been so yeah and then so from the management standpoint so then at this point you guys um because you guys were doing everything independent beforehand, so yeah. Um, when it come when it came to getting studios and and getting uh, producers for you know projects and things like that, yeah. what what kind of resources were used to to get that? So now we like kind of like pivoting from the clothes to like yeah. back to the music. So like as like the manager, like how do you how did were you getting all these beats for Casey or like were people was, just like just showing love? Yeah, no, it was a little bit of showing love and just out there just like networking and meeting the right people. Like mm-hmm. I remember um Woody, he produced uh thirty thousand. Like I remember we just ran mm-hmm. into him randomly, like just out and he just was like, Yo, Casey Veggie's like and we just chopped up information, he sent mm-hmm. the beat pack, the shit worked out. So it's really just like being out, networking with the right people, meeting like kind of getting his music out to different blogs, making connections with people on the East Coast. Like, I remember we went out to the East Coast, had some sessions there, just in studios and stuff like that. It was really just being proactive as a manager. Like, you just have to find a way. You have to be the publicist, the manager, the booking agent, Mm -hmm. everything. And it was really just, you know, just figuring it out. Like, it wasn't really no, like, game plan or, like, no rule book. It was just like, all right, like, we made this connection at this clothing line. Oh, this dude at the clothing line knows this producer. Like, Mm -hmm. like I remember we got mad close to Droopy, E-40 son. Shout out to him, wherever you at, bro. (laughs) You was a good one. Or you are a good one. But um, (laughs) I remember he was mad cool with our homies at Imperium, a clothing line, and, like, Uh they kind of linked us. And, like, it was just just finding homies in different places. Like, that shit was kind of dope. Like, it was a cool little, like, I mean, it's just, it's with how the way the world works now. Like, you know, you might meet somebody that, that's your plumbing but know someone who could be your financial advisor like mm-hmm. you meet people at different walks of life who can do different things for you okay so when when casey got signed to a major um how is the relationship like remember when i was i was gonna ask you before like uh, as far as all the people that are involved in a yeah. in a, in a um, artist's um pretty much um 
Yeah. I don't want to say like entourage, but they're, you know, they're, no, profe- they're professional. Yeah, they're, they're it's team. literally your team. It's their like, team, yeah. And I, I want more artists and, and, and people to think about that. Like, as an artist, you know, you got Diddy that's the artist. Mm-hmm. But then Sean Combs is like the person, a, a part of this team that makes Diddy work. And as a part of Diddy's team is his manager and his booking agent and his business advisor and people who can kind of help him steer him in the right direction so this Diddy thing goes. Now, of mm-hmm. course... Sean Combs is the face of Diddy, mm-hmm. but it's a team that makes Diddy do what he do. And mm-hmm. he'll tell you that. And Jay-Z will tell you that as well. And, like, the most successful entertainers would be like, yo, there's a team behind us who makes this machine run. So, you know, once we once we were dealing with working with Casey, we uh, signed to Rock Nation. They had a bigger team and more resources for yeah, us. Yeah, so how does, it, how does that work? Because I know you guys signed, what, signed like, a management yeah, deal. Yeah, so like like a, does, how, what, what, is, what is a management deal? So it's like you're just splitting commissions, and they're, just uh-huh. a, they're a management team that's going to help bring in more money and bring in more resources. And you got to think, like, it's Rock Nation. They can go to anybody. They can get you in a lot of rooms, that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like. They can knock. They could, When they knock on the door, it's a little louder. Exactly. And that's just what it is in the music industry. You got smaller managers. You got bigger managers. And sometimes they team up. Or sometimes smaller managers become bigger managers. Mm-hmm. But it's just a process in the game. And, like, linking up with Rock Nation, we were, um, we had a great team over there. They were, you know, they were, like, extra resources on top of the label situation we were mm-hmm. going into. So, like. Rock Nation had their own publicist. They had their own A&R department. They had their own marketing. So, like, so whatever. So, artists will have their own, like, ex- like sub-team uh, with their management yep. agency. Um, and then if they're signed to a label that's pretty much, like, distributing all their music yep. and stuff like that and promoting them, then they'll, would the label have their own, like, would Epic have their own team of, yeah, like, publicists so and managers and stuff like that that they would assign? Exactly. So they have, like, a project manager, and then they have, like, a publicist, and then, like, they have A&R, marketing, all those things that mm-hmm. that we have with Rock Nation as well. So now we got two teams of that, and it's, mm-hmm. like, double resources. And that's why that situation made sense for what Casey was doing, because mm-hmm. he was just... We always have vision him as, like, you know, we thought about Jay-Z. We thought about bigger situations. So it was like, all right, we need to align ourselves with these people and we need to to have these people in our corner and these resources. So that was just kind of like the situation. Like, you know, shout out to everyone who was a part of that team because mm-hmm. it, it really helped it go and really kept different things intact. And like, you know, where the label marketing might have slacked that, that's where the, the management marketing might have picked up at. Mm-hmm. And it was just really a, a, a good team effort to create like a great buzz and storm around like what he was doing and like his projects to come. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, all right. So then you start branching out and managing other artists. Yeah. Um, so I, I seen that you were managing, uh, what was this? This one dude that do the guitar. Oh P- yeah. Pinky, 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 Pinky Liber- Liberace. Yeah. Pinky Liberace. That's my boy. Like straight out of Kentucky, man. Straight out of Kentucky. Yeah. Straight out the Tucky. Yeah. The Tuck Louisville. Um, nah, straight up Pinky was someone I found just like. Um, after I started working with Casey, I was just like, I was traveling. I was doing a lot of traveling, going different places and shit, just like sporing, just, you know, out mm-hmm. here. And I remember I was doing some stuff with Cinematic and I was in Charlotte. And I was like, let me make a pit stop in Louisville. Like, I'm just out there. Like, I just, I knew some people out there. Uh-huh. And then um, there's a store, Oneness, that we actually did like a pop up at when I was working with Casey. So I knew them at the store. It's like the biggest sne- sneaker shop in Louisville. Like, mm-hmm. they get all the Jordans, everything. Shout out to Joe and the whole team over there, Marcus. So um, they had a shop out there, and Pinky worked at the shop at one time when we did the pop up, but I didn't know him then, and I didn't really interact with him. Uh-huh. But I found his music online after that fact, 
And I was like, fuck, like, I'm about to go, like, I'm about to go out there and see this kid perform. So I went, and he had a showcase at a brewery. Uh-huh. He literally performed in the uh, the middle of, like, where they brew beer in, like, Louisville. Like, it's, it's called, um, I can't remember. I got the hat at home. But it was, like, this brewery, and, like, he had set up a stage. They had lights. People came out. It was, like, 100 people. And, like, uh-huh. he played, and shit was crazy. Like, he killed it. And I'm like, damn, like, I got to, like, sign this kid. So I started managing him, started working with him, brought him out. So what's, like, what's that agreement, like, when you, like, I, I got to sign this kid? Like, Man, I was just like, yo, like, I believe in you. Like, I want to work with you. Let's get a two-year plan going. Let's, you know, let's figure this shit out. Let's put out a project. Let's work. Let's shoot some videos. Let's figure it out. So how does that work, like, um... I would say like financially financially so like we were like alright we're gonna put out a project let's split the profits let's um I manage you that's 20% that's a commission so whatever mm-hmm. you bring in I'll bring in uh, I'll commission off of that but me with my deals like I'm not trying to eat off of every fucking penny you make mm-hmm. so honestly I'll be like when most artists I work with I'm like if it's not if it's under $5,000 like I don't even want to eat with, eat off of it mm-hmm. like if it's 5000 or below like I want you to make that make your money and even above that it's like it's got to really be like alright I'm just going to make a little money off of this mm-hmm. but like I really I'm more pro artist than more, most managers are and probably more than I should be but I just feel like the artists I work with I really believe in them so I know I'm going to play the long game mm-hmm. and like I know it's going to be something bigger in the horizon in the long run yeah and it's just like you want to like you want to make sure everyone's straight like artists are you know they put their soul and their heart into this music and this shit's been like dumbed down so much that like people think music is free yeah like music isn't free like back in the day you had to pay for this shit like the only thing that was free was when you couldn't pick it radio exactly like even if you yeah, think about yeah they so everybody so um so accustomed to being able to just take it yeah and, just download yeah. it and having the shares and it's like nah it's not like that and I like I feel for artists like I feel I'm like damn it sucks that you can't that's why I'm not happy volume. though they got that streaming shit though oh yeah but no nah, streaming think- shit cool because it was like shit like because I'm like there's no way that I'm like really contributing to the music industry that much because it was like it'll be times like where Currency will put out an album and I'll buy the Currency album I'm not buying nobody I bought God Forgives and I don't Uh, Rick Ross like I I purchased that Um, you know like back in the day when I was in like middle school and high school like nigga I bought all the like game CDs. Yeah, nah, me too. I bought, I, I still, bought yeah. R. Kelly CDs. Like, yeah. man, I love R. Kelly. Like, <laughs> I touched on this like last episode. It was like, you know, with the R. Kelly situation, like, yeah. I'm still gonna listen to the music and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, he's a fucking scumbag piece of shit person. Yeah, but, but it's like, I'm not different. listening. I'm not listening to the uh, fucking you. Chocolate Factory for, for, for Kells. I'm listening shared, for the fucking melodies and, and I share lyrics. similar views, but we can't talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. We just gonna get back uh, to. All right, so you got another artist that just put out a project. Yeah, yeah, My man, J.R. Cruz. Yeah. No, I'm, and that's... Man, that's my boy. Me and my bro, we go back. We go back. Like, we we went to the same church, and uh, we used to hoop together uh, up at Baldwin. Okay. Oh, you you hooped at Baldwin? Yeah. Yeah, he used to come up to Baldwin uh, uh, a lot. And, yeah, that's that's my boy, man. Yeah. He used to to play at Laces uh, with my bro, Kyle. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah nah, I've, been, I've been knowing I've been knowing bro for a long time, even before he was uh before he was J.R. Cruz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's funny. I've been Cruz working with him. Yeah, I've been working with him for like man, maybe like three years now, two, three years. And like this project's been a long time coming. Like I've I've listened to the project. We just put it out on like Thursday. Uh, and I've been listening to this project for like at least 
uh, six months now, maybe to mm-hmm. a year. So it's like music that we kind of been sitting on that we feel really proud of. I just think he's just the future of this L.A. shit. Like, I always look at the L.A. scene. I look at everything that popped up out of the scene, the blog era, mm-hmm. the, the, the Casey's and the Doms and the UNI's and the Pac Divs. And, and I never seen an artist from that era at that time who was representing the same shit I was on, some cool shit, like mm-hmm. not game banging, not yeah. on some just extra dollar, like just really cool player shit, fucking around with bitches, getting money, having a good time. I didn't see anybody from that era become superstars. Mm-hmm. And that's something I was always conscious of, and that's something that we always wanted for Casey, and that's something we never really seen from that era. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like that, I always want, I was like, I always wanted that. It's like getting that kind of like what, um, what, um, like, that chance the rappers kind of get. Yeah, or even like what Big Sean's did. Okay. Big, Big yeah. Sean. Big okay, Sean. Yeah, the, yeah. He's what, an example of that's that. That's the example I use okay. the most because yeah. he's just a cool dude. He's not too yeah. preachy. He's just on some cool shit. And he's a superstar. And for me, I thought he always had a California aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, damn, like Big Sean kind of took that shine from our superstars that we, people yeah. that, people who I, mm-hmm. I think they're a superstar, yeah. but on the national level, they might not be. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's something I always was conscious of. And, and with JR, I feel like he feels that void. I think. He's primed for that. Like, I feel like the way he comes at rap, the way he thinks about music, the way he thinks about his brand, I, I think he's a superstar talent. And that's why I'm, like, so all in on it. I think um, he's the first person since I've worked with Casey that I'm like, all right, you from the city. I can really put my flag behind uh-huh. you and really push you and make sure you're the right one. And, you know, shout out to Lakin Taylor. Like, that was the person who introduced me to me. Lakin worked at our shop. Mm-hmm. And he's a producer, artist. He was working with uh, JR introduced me was like yo I really believe in this kid and he really kind of sold me on it and they were just a dope duo just making records producer rapper and I just heard it in them and I think um you know this project is a good uh a good showcase of that but I think it's way more to come and videos and things but it's funny it's 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 fun to be back at the beginning of it and see the genesis of an artist and and really mold and shape what he will become you get to do it you get to do it all over yeah so, um, like for somebody that's looking to be a artist manager or get into like brand development or something like that, like what what would be like your biggest piece of advice for somebody like that? Um, my biggest piece of advice is to just um, be proactive, man. Just go do. It's funny. I used to have just this inside joke with my homies. Um, we had one homie that was like just super passionate. Like he was just like, man, I just want to like this is when we were in high school. He's just like, I'm just gonna do this shit, da da da. Like I'm just like I'm trying to do it, and we like, bro, like you know, just do it. Like mm-hmm. nigga, you telling us and being so passionate about it, just go do this shit. Yeah. Don't tell us. And I remember we just uh, this is it's not even a joke. It's not even funny. I'm thinking about it now, but it's like we was just some high ass niggas in the car, hot boxing the homie car, homie mm-hmm. grandma vehicle, just laughing about this shit. And I remember we were just thinking about Wayne and that line like, uh, I don't know about you niggas, but I do things. I forgot what song that was. That might have been one of his freestyles. But it's actually my bio on Twitter and our Instagram now. But it's just like, just do it. Like, don't worry about what other people is doing. Just do it. Like, and you'll figure it out as you go along. And that's something I, I did. And that's something that I've seen people before me do. And people after me will do. It's just you got to go out there and figure it out on your own. And, like, really just, like, just get in the mud. Get in the trenches. Man, get them boots on the ground. Yeah, for real. Yeah, man. Well, you heard it here first from the from the legend, the man, the myth, Josh Pease. <laughs> it's funny, man. Like I, I ran into a couple homies uh, 
like today that I haven't seen in a while. And they're all like, hey, what, the myth. I'm like, bro, I'm here. I'm around. Like, the myth. My, the my myth. number might have changed, but I'm still here, man. The, I think. The legend. Yeah, man. Buddy. This this podcast was a long time coming, man. Yeah. Trying to, trying to coordinate in between this man's schedule, man, is uh yeah. like pulling teeth from a fucking fucking queen ant. Man. Nah, you know what it is? I'll just be really shaded up, like really just research and studying, getting to it, doing it, doing things. That's yeah. what I'm out here doing, man. Yeah, this nigga was like, yeah, I'm being fucking, uh, what yeah. was it, St. Louis or some shit? Yeah, you hit me right before I went to St. Louis. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm, being, I'm getting back from St. Louis, so I'll hit you and I'm back. Yeah. But yeah, man, I definitely want to appreciate you for stopping by, man, coming through to the Saw Good Show and, and blessing the people with your presence. Um, to all the viewers listening right now, man, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you got something out of the Money Talk segment today, going over the multiple checking accounts versus uh, one. So I hope you uh, rewind that back and uh, play that for one of your good friends and uh, put them up on some good game. Um, definitely want to give another shout out to the audio sponsor of tonight's episode, my bro T-Reg, um, with them tunes for your ears. Yes, sir. Shout yes. out to T-Reg, my guy, man. Send me a B-Pack. I need it. Yeah, you heard you heard it, T-Reg. So um, definitely want to give a shout out to the one and only Tyler Honeycutt, um, who this show is dedicated to. I lost my bro last summer uh, to, some, uh, to a tragic death, and definitely want to make sure that your spirit lives on forever. Definitely want to uh, give a shout out to Nipsey Hussle. This uh, episode is uh, specifically dedicated to you as well. Definitely want to give a shout out to all the listeners, all the subscribers. Keep subscribing. Keep giving that feedback. And uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Because you could have been anywhere in the world right now. But you're here with me. And I appreciate that.